Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. Social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite T-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixdown. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixdown. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Welcome to Communication Mixdown, where we look behind the media message and ask what's really being said to us and why. I'm Jennifer Martin. And I'm John Langer. And on the show today... We're asking what it means when the leader of the free world bans reporters from reputable news organisations such as the New York Times from the White House Press Gallery, declaring both fake news and dishonest journalists enemies of society. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? But that phrase has a dark history. It was used by dictators such as Stalin and Hitler. And taking into account that in 2016, 79 journalists were killed worldwide, is it unreasonable to ask what message this sends to repressive regimes, regimes that perceive press freedom as a direct threat, punishable by death? So joining us on the phone today is Dr Margaret Simons. She is an award-winning journalist and author who is also the director for the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. As both her experience and her title suggest, Dr Simons is well-placed to help us navigate this topic. So Dr Simons... Welcome to Communication Mixdown. Thank you, Jen. Now, look, let's set some context for the listeners. Trump declares fake news the enemy of the people because they have no sources and they just make it up. And then his press secretary, Sean Spicer, bans reporters um, from the um, White House press gallery there. Is this such a bad thing? Well, yes, it's a, it's a terrible thing. I mean, it's not at all new, of course, for political leaders um, both here in Australia and internationally, to be angry with journalists who are reporting the news in ways they don't like. We might reflect on the continued battles between our own government and the ABC, for example, often over its journalism, um, or in Victoria, for example, Jeff Kennett, who uh, famously once threw soil on journalists when they were covering a tree planting. It's not unusual for politicians to be furious with journalists, to attack them, to attack their integrity, to attack their accuracy. But I think what's particularly new about this is it has always been accepted that journalists had a right and a proper place in the White House. This isn't Trump's private space, it's public space. And whether he likes it or not, um, the nation's media have always had a role in reporting that. And that goes right back to um, the American Constitution and to... um, People like Thomas Jefferson saying that uh, the freedom of the media was absolutely vital to a healthy society and to democracy. So for an American president to break with that tradition um, is really quite extraordinary and quite frightening. 
Yes, yeah, so we also had John McCain come out and say, you know, he, he hates the press, he hates the media, but how essential they are to the workings of democracy. Yes, well, it's often um, Jefferson's words about the free media are often quoted by journalists. They tend to forget that the precede to his words about um, the importance of the liberty of the media and how it can't be limited without being lost. He precedes that with an absolute essay on the shortcomings of the media and how awful it is. But he nevertheless concludes that it has a vital role and that freedom of the media cannot be limited without being lost altogether. Now, look, don't you think Trump has done something quite interesting here in that he has taken the people who are meant to be telling the story about him and he's essentially pulled them into his narrative and used them as a kind of a smokescreen to stand beside, behind and say, look at them, they're the bad guys, I'm just trying to get the message out. Yes, I think he's doing something um, unusual there and, and politically tricky. I wouldn't say that that's so new, though. I mm. think, um, you know, again, we can reflect on uh, former Prime Minister Tony Abbott um, talking about whether or not the media and the ABC, again in particular, is part of Team Australia or not. Mm. Um, that, too, was making the media, in that case the ABC, the story, rather than the particular allegations at the time, which concerned our Defence Forces' treatment of asylum seekers. So I, I don't know that that technique is all that new, but it's notable that Trump, of course, both um, is a source of what we might call fake news and also tends to dismiss any news he doesn't like as fake news. And we just have to hope that uh, the public has the sense to resort to evidence and facts, which is, of course, the journalistic mission. Yes, and there was a, a comment by, um, I'm not sure which White House reporter it was, who said, look, no one is against fake news, but the danger is that real news is, is ignored. Yes. Well, I guess the, the question for our times is in an era when anyone can publish through social media and on the web, how are we to know what to rely on? How are we to know what to trust? And I would suggest that the, the answer is actually quite old-fashioned, even in this world of new media. We work out who to trust through a record of interactions, through a record of conduct. Um, and I would think that both politicians and journalists need to heed what that means. Yes, because he is turning, isn't he, Trump, to these new organisations and um, small Christian publications, and that's being um, celebrated in, in some areas as the, you know, these people have a readership, um, it's new voices, it's fresh blood, but it's there's just not the runs on the board there, is it? Well, that's right. Um, so uh, the New York Times, for example, not a perfect organisation, it's made mistakes. But it also has a record of confessing to those mistakes and indeed reporting on itself um, in quite a searing fashion sometimes over things like the Iraq war and its, uh, its failure to properly interrogate um, policymakers over the decisions to go to war. Um, I think the ordinary citizen needs to compare those records of, say, the New York Times, just for example, um, and its professional journalists with the new president, with Breitbart News, with the various bloggers, and uh, ask themselves, who do I trust on the basis of their track record? Yes, as you say, it comes back to that verification, that, that discipline of verification, which is the journalism profession. Mm. Now, look, do you agree, um, Dr Simons, with commentators? They, they have warned that Trump is sending a, a dangerous message to more repressive regimes around the world that ban freedom of speech and imprison and indeed 
journalists lose their lives for pursuing their profession. Do you think that's a fair fair criticism? Well, I think it undermines what we've always been accustomed to think of as America's moral authority when talking about human rights issues. Um, it's very hard for America to um, take a stand on human rights in relation to China, for example, or Russia or many other regimes. Um, is its own president um, is attacking journalists. Now, thankfully, so far, we're not seeing journalists being imprisoned or disappearing or being dragged off in the middle of the night in the USA, and hopefully we never will see that. Um, But nevertheless, yes, I do think um, it sends an unfortunate message to regimes that America has, you know, previously liked to think of itself as uh, as a guide, Mm. as a guidance. Now, look... Um, Dr. Somers, I'd just like to um, ask you one final question. There was a very interesting article in The Guardian which detailed this enormous power of the billionaire Robert Mercer. He threw Mm. $13.5 behind Trump's campaign and then he's gone about establishing his own media outlets, controlling the media, um, which go to great lengths to manipulate search engine algorithms on sites such as Facebook, which mine information to cater to people's likes and dislikes. So... Is it a bit paranoid to think that the public's being distracted by sort of Trump's circus of rhetoric while the data of the citizens is being mined and used in this way to further political agendas in a way that we haven't seen before? Yeah, well, of course, the domination of media ownership isn't new. In Australia, we know that better than most. Um, And use of media ownership to try and manipulate politics isn't new. Um, uh, We've... And we've lived with that. You know, people like you and myself um, have lived with that for most of our lives. So neither of those things are new. But what is new is this capacity to mine information. Uh, there are new tools now available to the powerful, and that includes government and media owners, to find where people live, to find what they're already thinking, and to attempt to manipulate public opinion. Now, it's too soon to tell how successful that's going to be, but we're right to worry about it, I think. Well, Dr. Simons, thank you so much for your time today. It's been just um, so interesting, and we look forward to talking with you again. Pleasure. Well, if you listen to three oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three C, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three C, oh, yes, you know where you are. If you listen to three C, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three C, oh, clap your hands. Well, this is Communication Mixed Down, and you know what? Communication Mixed Down is having a meltdown. <laughs> and uh, we have had a technical glitch, something with our phones. We can't get through to our next guest. Let me just tell you who it was going to be. Oh. And we're offering apologize to Vincent O'Donnell, and uh, he is a journalist and a broadcaster and a researcher at RMIT University. And he was going to talk a little bit about what I was going to call the Trump effect might have in Australia. Jen and I have been thinking about this, and I think lots of people have been thinking about this, that the Trump effect. And 
can it happen here? Can people in, let's call them the political class, the corporate class, basically decide to make the media the story and in the end basically say, well, look, let's let's just ban these particular people from press conferences. We don't want to really talk to them. This is what happened with Trump. Uh, he left out how many people out of out of a particular press conference that he was having? Yeah, there were about six or yeah, BuzzFeed, yeah, what he would, I guess, ba- basically consider to be not particularly sympathetic media outlets. Can it happen here, Jen? What do you think? Look, picking up on Dr. Simon's point, I think we need to remember that this isn't new. Fake news is not new from the time we had. Well, I was going to say the printing press, but even going back. Before then, you know, if you if you can possibly, you know, get hold of that means of production and control, control that you're going to control that message. So this isn't new. And I think people can forget here in Australia that we do not have freedom of speech guaranteed in, you know, it's not there. And we we're, we're colonized. Yeah. Hmm. So right from the get go, John, our um, our newspapers and things were tightly controlled by the government. The wonderful, there was a great exception with the Eureka Stockade, of course, that, new, that hmm. the local paper there was instrumental in that. Um, can the Trump effect happen here? Of course it can. Yeah, I mean, look at, look at um, Jeff Kennett when he was, mm. when he was there. I remember um, covering um, ABC radio. I came from SBS radio and I remember thinking, oh, this, this is a doddle covering state politics. Everyone says how mean Jeff Kennett is. He turned to me because he saw the SBS microphone mm. and just cut everyone else out because of the Greek vote. It was coming up to an election. Then I left SBS and it was only, I think it was like the next week, same press pack, same person, same journal, different microphone. He cut me down. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a puddle, as so many of us were after our first encounter with, with Jeff Kennett. Mm-hmm. You know, he would, that's what they do. You know, if they have yeah. the power and if they can shut you up, um, they'll, they'll do it. The other side of it, uh, this is what Meg was talking about, and we have talked about it many times on Communication Mixdown, is... The I guess what you call a fragmentation of the media, and there there is a fragmentation. And one of the things that I was going to ask our guests is 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 what's been called, or what I, I guess I I'm sort of terming terming the siloization of of yeah. media, that fragmentation, so that basically people who are putting particular views are being listened to by people who want to hear those particular views and aren't necessarily getting other kinds of views. That creates uh, again, a, a kind of situation where, although it might not be the Trump effect as such, but there isn't a kind of public space, a public sphere, let's yes. call it, where those debates can can take place and be aired, and and mm. that that people can just turn off, turn away, and turn off. That's right. And so, what do we want? Um, what kind of citizens do we want? And you know, communication mixed down, critical listeners. What should they be doing? Well. You know, you kind of have to throw yourself out of your comfort zone, don't you? You have to go to those places that, you know, you don't really want to read because you're thinking, oh, well, it's to this view or it's to that. I just say get out there, get dirty, read it all and use that same um, discipline of verification that underpins mm-hmm. journalism because that is the only thing that keeps journalists separate from a citizen journalist or everyone else. It's that ethical framework. You know, who says it? Can we verify it? Follow the facts not the emotion. And Lecture look, over. Yeah, I think I, I think <laughs> I think 
I think what you're just saying is, in fact, my last question that I was going to ask Vincent, who isn't here, but he, I'm sure he would have an opinion. What should we listeners, readers, viewers be asking? Not so so much asking, but demanding that we think about in terms of the journalist profession. And and I think that's exactly what you're, you know, what you're saying is that it's it's not just them. It's it's us. It's us. That we have to make the steps to make things work. Absolutely, because the journalists, at the end of the day, they're us asking the questions so we can get the information from people who are spending our money. Simple. we got to finish up here. And uh, again, apologies for the uh, communication mixed down, <laughs> meltdown. Uh, we'll be back next week. John Langer. And I'm Jennifer Martin. 